All right, ladies and gents, welcome to MD Podcast. And before we get started, man, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting Season 1 all the way through Season 9. And by the time you guys hear this, this is actually Season 9, Episode 4. Now, a really funny story, dope story, and how I met this next brother right here, man. I opened up for the Visionaries on August 4 at Winston-Saint Ocean Beach. And after the show, I got a chance to uh, really walk around the venue real quick and start to build with some peoples. And this cat right here came up to me. And you know when someone has good energy and when someone's good peoples. And you also know when someone's a real hip-hop head. So this cat came up to me and we started chopping it up. I was uh, really happy to know that he's from the 805 Ventura County too. And he's a true vinyl uh, collector. For all those who are on IG, you guys can follow him at Wax Curator. He is a definitely, he's a digger. And today we're going to talk about just the importance of his vinyl collection and why vinyl is important and a little bit of history of um, uh, his his journey as a hip-hop head and as a, as a hip-hop fan. So ladies and gents, without no further ado, we got Mr. David Nagayo in the house, a.k.a. the Wax Curator. What up, what up? Thank what you up, for having bro? me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for Such taking a, the time. No worries, man. So finally, we got a chance to... Uh, to uh, meet up and finally uh, just get down and chop it up again like we did that one night, which was so dope because the visionaries, mm. like when they say visionaries rock the spot, man, <laughs> I love hip hop, you know? What a classic night. That was, that was so dope. That was one of the ev- most memorable nights. Because everyone like there were, they were just so like <laughs> ill and uh, <coughs> like they were, you can ask you too. I, I, would, I would say that they were more down to earth than, than you would think uh, an art artist that have been around in the hip hop game for since the 90s. So you would imagine, okay, 25, 26 plus years, you have individuals out there, they may have egos, but every single person I got to talk to were like, like they were just normal people, which was was super dope to me. Like I could just like, ch- like talk with them. Like we, we were like homies and everything. And like I heard a couple stories, you know. It was, it was super dope. It was a super dope experience. And the same thing I feel when I when I got to meet you and everything. Yes, yes. We got a chance to chop it up outside. Um. So yo, Dave, I asked all my guests, where were you born and raised? I was born in San Francisco. Nice. And then I ended up growing up in. Um, we moved from San Francisco. It was about like maybe 85 or 86. So we went to uh, San Luis Obispo. So f- the reason why I went from there, because my dad was an engineer. So at the time he was working um, for PG&E or Bechtel. And then he ended up going to PG&E. So we went to this little town, San Luis Obispo, because the power plant, Diablo Canyon, was out in Avila Beach. So that's where I grew up. We, he ended up staying on board and we just I just grew up in the 805. So went to San Luis Obispo to uh, Oceano, went to school at Aurora Grande High School. And then basically after that, um, I moved out to San Diego about like uh, 2018. So I grew up mainly there. But the cool thing is all my hip hop knowledge and experience usually it basically boils down to uh, my cousin. My cousin, both of uh, my cousin Ann and Roger, they were older than me. And um, they grew up in that uh, early 90s, late 80s uh, hip hop. So I got to see, you know, I go over to my cousin's house. He had all the Source magazines when the Source was dope. When the Source was like the the Bible of hip hop. (coughs) When they were giving out like five five mics, just not on everyone, just for some, you know. And then at the same time, you know, I would, you know, cruise over. I see like the public enemy, you know, poster on the wall. I, 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 you know, I see all this hip hop. So that's how it all started. And then in high school, it was, um, 
UCSB College Radio, KCSB, DJ Twist One, and it was um, uh, the most essential was the was the host, and they would do every Friday nights. So I remember not even going to parties because I'd rather stay home on a Friday night, hit that record and pause and wait for the next hip hop. Because that was like 96, 97. So it was during my junior, my sophomore year when I started getting more into underground hip hop. So that's when I would hear the first like all this New York rap, like this company flow, all this like like all this stuff that I would never ever get a chance to hear. Then I got to hear the 805 R. I got to hear uh, Madlib and the Loop Pack. I got to hear all these cats that were down with like I was like oh, I know that name. I remember the Coast to Coast album, and I remember the Loop Pack at the beginning, like Wild Child and everything. It's like, man. So that's 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 how it all began in the early um, in, in the early times of my. Of, of, of where I grew up and then started listening to hip hop. Me and my brother would buy CDs all the time. We would get the Source magazines. We'd check off our list like, oh man, I'm getting the new Karis one. No, I'm getting this. And the crazy thing is because growing up in the 805 and in a small town, you know, everything's dictated from what's on MTV or what's on the radio. So at the time in the early 90s or like the mid 90s, like 95 to like 98 when I went to high school, Everyone was listening to like the you know the Snoop Dogs like you know Tupac everything like that. But I was down with listening to like Wu Tang Clan, Mob Deep, and like all this New York rap, all this underground hip hop. People used to always say, "Dude, why you listen to this shit? You should be listening to some gangster stuff." I'm like, no man, this is the this is the vibes right here. And the people used to say, "Go back to New York." I'm like, I've never even been to New York at the time. So it was just um, just had a love for music in my adolescence because they always say. Like your best years when you when you think about it, like all your memories is like when you're when you're in those teen stages of like discovering music, you're discovering a lot about yourself and everything. And that's how, you know, the passion for for music began. Amen. And um, ladies and gents, I just want to add that um, I got a chance to see LL Cool J and Rakim and Salt and Pepper last night in L.A. Oh, I wanted to and see that. <laughs> I got a chance to see Chuck D. Chuck D came out and Ice T came out. Damn. And the reason why I want to say this is because I don't care what the mainstream media says. Real hip hop, the golden era, the, the, our heroes from the eighties yep. are still out here kicking Dude. ass, selling out stadiums. Yep. I don't know what the fuck y'all think when you say hip hop yep. died. No, no man, they're alive and and uh, killing it. Exactly. I can uh, agree. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And I say this to say, what was your first, the first top three hip hop songs that made an impact on you? Not necessarily the first three you heard, but the first three that that you really remember, like that changed your life. Like fuck, I'm a um, fan for life. <laughs> you know what? I think it was. Um, I'll tell you mine after you. It, it was. It was probably when I was in high school. So I was in the like the infancy of my collecting and listening to music. One was. Um, I think it was Cream because mm. I bought the, That's the a tape. Life changer. I brought the tape. I bought the um, <laughs> a life changer the sure. end of the Thirty Six Chambers tape, and uh, the second song I would think would be uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth. It was um, the main ingredient single that came out in '94. So that that was another one. Um, my brother had the, the the tape, and I just remember hearing that. I was like, oh shit, this is like some dope. At the time, Pete Rock was just... He wasn't, like, the household name as he was today, if you compare it to, like, 94, 95. He was a Kanye. Yeah. He was Kanye. Dude, he was. He him was and the RZA. And uh, so, like, those two... And then I'm trying to think of another song. I would honestly say one the first time it, it also changed was when I heard uh, 93 to Infinity yeah, as well. Life changes, for sure. Uh, just because of... 
this style that's coming out of the Bay Area. Because when I was listening to hip hop from the Bay too, I remember it was all about, um, you know, E-40. I was a huge Spice One fan. That's my, my guilty pleasure. I'm a huge Spice One fan. Um, and just like the click, you know, you had Too Short, you had just, you know, Rapping Forte up in the Bay. Um, but when you heard the Oakland, like underground hip hop of Souls of Mischief, High Rodell, you know, even like Grouch and like Living Legends and all that. So I think, um, uh, oh, you know, if I had to, if I had to squeeze in another one, I would say Passing Me By by the far mm. side, just because those those were those vibes too of just like dope hip hop and um, Troy. They reminisce over you is another like East Coast, another Pete Rock, uh, you know, Tribe Called Quest. I mean, I could go on for days. I'm for sorry. sure, <laughs> no, no doubt. Top five. Oh, let's go. This. Let's do this. Top five albums that really changed your life. Fuck. Um, I would say. Enter the 36 Chambers yes. is number one. <laughs> I mean, Liquid Swords is up there, too. Um, I, I'm going to throw in... It's, people don't really talk about it as much. I'm throwing in... Um, um, Fun Crusher Plus, because I was a huge... I'm still a huge LP fan. Mm. Huge uh, company flow. Huge, like, definitive jux when he created that label. I, I, I always choose that as, like, up on the top for me. Uh, because after I heard that album, I was like, oh my God, this shit, this is like that East Coast movement. Um, and Or I should say not East Coast, the, the underground hip hop movement, like the early raucous era, the whole thing where like most deaf came out, all these rappers from the East Coast. It was like, holy shit, or just anywhere um, with underground hip hop. But I always thought Company Flow was like a, a years ahead of everyone. And then today, I mean, LPs with um, Killer Mike doing Run the Jewels. So there's that. And then I would add... Damn, I'm trying to think. There's so many albums. Um, fuck. Uh, sorry, I swore. <laughs> All good. Who would be your top five MCs? Damn, that's that's another one. I know there's a lot. There's a the lot. Top five that, that you're really like. Yeah. But let me let me just finish up that other one. So I got the three right there. Then I would probably add. Um, I would um, add. Public Enemy yeah. takes a million, and then I would go to. Um, um, Low End Theory by Tribe Called Quest and the fifth album would be um, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side Ladies and gentlemen I'm going to tell you something about <laughs> Chuck D when Chuck D came out last night LA went nuts and Chuck Respect. D's voice is so powerful Respect The Rhythm, The Rebel when he did that shit last night and did Fight the Power his yep. voice is just meant for the stadium like Chuck D's yeah. voice was still still sounding powerful and uh man it's hard for us to say to trace who who created rock and roll so for example if we're going to commemorate the birthday of rock and roll for example even the Beatles yep. we can't trace it back people are dead yep but with hip hop it's still so young that you can trace back the first superstars that yep. birthed all of us. And that was last night. That's crazy. Fucking Rock him and Al, yo, LL said his first album came out in 1984 as a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. That's was, crazy. I was not even born till August 6, 84. I'm 39. That means LL has right? been rapping. Yep, longer than you were born. The whole time I'm alive, yep. for sure. Alive, yep. And even before that. That's crazy. It's so nuts. And here I am, an, an independent artist, yep. huffing and puffing and sweating, yep. and drenched in sweat in a 15-minute set, and fucking Al Al did two hours. Right? 
And then I remember that <laughs> I night. I was feeling pathetic. I was but, like, fuck. I'm humbled, bro. Yeah. Like, God. That's why they're icons. <laughs> yep. And that's why they're legends. Because how do you do that? Like, you don't, you're not going to see like a, a They're a, not a little, 20. A little People whatever. Under- you know, like a little you know whoever those new rappers are gonna be up there for two hours giving you a show hey bro people Dude. are in their late 50s yep that's ice true. t 65 yep and crazy. still out there doing yep. like 30 minute sets and that's no crazy joke, man. It's crazy hey. and these young cats can't even rock a crowd you know like all these like corporated hip-hop artists that are like all just in it for the money or something you know so yo top five mcs um another hard question uh, see, I always kind of like that. You know, has always been timeless. I would, I would say that like still uh, holds weight now. Chuck D's one of them. He's one of them. K- KRS one. He's one of them. Nas, <laughs> Rakim, and then I would say um, he's actually been moving up my list. Um, Guru, I'd put Guru up there just because of uh, all the years of Gangstar, and he's so his voice is so smooth and just uh, melodic that sometimes it's like. He he could freak a rhyme like you know, um, you know, just a couple couple bars that just an other MC could rock it. And it's like, it's not the same, you know. It doesn't have to be all technical like like a Pharrell Monch verse, but the way his style and the way he says it. Um, I remember like he has a song said calls like only the voice or something. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what? I gotta give it up to you know Salt and Pepper and Jazz and Jeff. Jeff. They were out there last night killing it. Hey dog, the Beat Junkies opened last night, dude. <laughs> DJ Babu, Rathmatic, and Shortcut was the opening. Was Melly D there? Nah, it was just... uh, (laughs) Just those three. It was just DJ Babu and those three on the big teleprompter. And they were basically the opening act for LL Cool J's show. They did did like a one-hour set. And that's cool that uh, they're there because I know I've been... I mean, the the crazy thing is I've actually got into the Rock the Bells radio for the last couple years. And it's cool that his main guys on there uh, on his show is like like Z-Trip. Mm. And Z Trip's been a DJ that's been out for a while. Um, I remember seeing his CDs and tapes from like in the 2010 eras. And um, mm-hmm. fucking Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth is always is uh, is on his show too. And then whoever he has that I know Too Short does a does one hour like a week or something. And then I know like Bun B has like one. So it's kind of cool that he has them all regionally in certain eras or certain DJs that he has. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, as I get older. My top five goats is changing too. Yeah, it's always changing. Because when I was young, of course, I would say Pac, Niggie, la la la. And in my college years, I would think Jay Z, Nas. And, yep. and rightfully so, they're all great. Yeah. But see, the story's not done yet. Does that make sense? No, it's all As time goes on, I'm realizing yep. LL Cool J he's, he's, has been the most underrated this whole he's, time. He's, he's always been. Still here. He's still he's, here. He's always been um, like moving up my ladder. Yes, yes. And here's why, folks. Like, He was the one really putting it on for hip-hop when hip-hop turned 50. Yeah, he did. Him and Nas was yeah. really the ones out they there were. really putting it big. And other MCs we know didn't even do one show. That's if you know, like there's some iconic MCs we know that's out there. The most famous billionaires. Yep. They didn't do no, one show. Not even a peep. But, not even acknowledgement or like sharing. But but Nas and LL was out here. So let me ask you this, bro. Yep. What's the importance of collecting vinyl in 2023? I think it's um, it's two. There's two. There's two. Uh, two things I look at mm-hmm. is um. 
I want to preserve something that's, especially with the older vinyl, the stuff you can't find anymore. I want to try to preserve it for the, like, it's kind of stupid in a sense. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a, you preserve it for the future, kind of like, it's all like, you know, people grab all the resource trying to like do like a um, time capsule or something. It's like, oh, it's like, to me, it's like a time capsule. I want to try to find this stuff before it's out of print. You can't find it anymore. There's certain records and albums that, you know, I, I, I try to find that, um, it's it's either they they they, they can't reissue it because either the labels done it is a one of those one and done in the indies or they never sample clearance you know the, the sample was a clearance so it was never on the actual album or it's just something that's just been lost through time and that's the last the latter is the worst is when something's lost through time and it's like never gonna be found unless you kind of bring it out like what I do on my social media platform is kind of like I want to like bring these things like if you've never heard it damn here you go and then when i get love from like the old artists that are like oh my god you tagged me this fuck yeah thank you thank you for like bringing this back up you know what i mean so those are the things like i i do i you know i i collect and the other thing is that i just love hip-hop so that's why i collect it i just a collector in general and then just um one thing i do regret is i wish i would have not stopped collecting vinyl because i stopped like in because of course the digital age right Everybody wanted CDs. Went from, went from like, you know, compact. Then it went to like digital. Then it's now it's streaming. But now it's like you are dictated by what the AI or whatever your program is going to tell you what the fuck to listen to. And who's going to trust that nowadays? Like, oh, yeah, you know, somehow there's some corporate influence in some of that, too. You know what I mean? Here you got fucking physical media that you had, could determine you know, you can play whatever you want. And if you, you know, do a show and you have your own vinyl, fuck it. Those are the things I like going to places and like they're spinning real vinyl, you know? Let's do this, man. You think Serato's killed the vinyl market? You think Serato's killed the no, vinyl? No, I mean, I think Serato Sur- has he- helped as far as DJs to, to, to play music that normally they, if you, you don't have it, like this, like the scarce records, or even like say someone has a record that they don't want to, they don't want to scratch up, you know what I mean? But if they have it in digital form already, then they could easily do that. It's, it's a lot easier because I remember what was like those those like little battle break records or those records that uh, had like the awe sample and all that. And they'll go through those like like it was something you just, you know, you recycle every three, six months because it's like you're always scratching up that record. So I always I always I always thought that, you know, just with anything, everything has to uh, evolve. You know, with technology always shifting, like the AI, we see that shit with like recreating like lyrics with Tupac's voice or something. It's fucking nuts. But I think that um, it helped DJs who wanted to start and learn, like with Serato, and who, like for me, I I, when I first I was like, I'm gonna fucking screw my records up. So I used Serato. I used the controller. I used the Serato just to practice on there. But now I don't even use it anymore. Like my controller sits there now. Yes. So let me ask you this. I know you brought a collection. I brought, I brought a couple, a couple just to. We, for all those, I know you guys can't see this, but Dave uh, brought some collection out, one of his, uh, some of his prized uh, vinyl. So what would be one of the first ones in your pick? Well, I, 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 a lot of, I, I was, I was thinking of like uh, stuff vinyl that actually, when I bought it, I didn't realize what the impact was later. So the first one would be my Ooh. Protect Your Neck single. It's the Wu Tang Clan. And the crazy thing about this is when I first heard Protect Your Neck and it was um, the uh, version where it's like all edited. I'm like, what the heck? 
you know, why aren't they? Gonna, why aren't they gonna show like the the? Because it's supposed to be like like in on the album. It's like, oh yeah, they're we're listening to a Wu Tang again and again. Oh yeah, again and again. And then they play Protect Your Neck. But it's kind of like it's this like you're listening to it from the perspective as you're listening for the radio version. So even if you had the CD or the vinyl, it didn't swear it have it all. But then this one had the bloody version. So the bloody version of Protect Your Neck takes out all the cuss words. Like uh, so, it was, it, was, it was actually pretty cool. And then you get like the homegrown versions of. Method Man's first the the the, the single too met the Method Man single so so the Shaolin version has the cussing no the Shaolin version is the one on the tape like it's kind of weird how they have it like that but the bloody version it takes it out because like if you first like if you if so you the Shaolin version the Shaolin version is I think it's I think it's yeah I think it's the dirty one yeah no actually no 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 I think it's it's weird how they have a radio and a Shaolin um, or maybe one's an instrumental I'm not really sure but the bloody version is the um, the version where they actually show uh, the cuss words on it and everything, which is which is cool. Cool. I mean, I mean, of course, cuss words are cool, but <laughs> I like it. So, yo, what, what else? By so, like, so another one I brought out was, of course, we were, we were talking about earlier is just um, Jizza Liquid Swords. I mean, that's just one that's everyone. I think everyone should have this in their um, what a classic in their in their collection. And and the thing I loved about it. Growing up was it it, 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 you know, incorporated again, just like with the first album with uh, the Wu Tang 36 Chambers album, where they had all the martial arts samples and it was peppered throughout the whole album, where it kind of gave you this feel of, a, of, 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 of like you're being transformed into another, another fucking galaxy where it's like, oh, bam, it's like this martial arts, or there's not galaxy, but another era, I should say. Like with this one, it was, you know, you had also the martial arts samples. The beginning, you have that from Shogun's Assassin. It's really, that's the American version, but the original, I think it's Lone Wolf and Cub series. That's where all the samples came from. And then with all, um, like all those little excerpts where um, the Shogun and the, uh, you know, they're taking it from the Shogun Assassins talking like, choose the sword, you know, all that stuff. And then the vibes and the samples that RZA used, it was just, it just like created and painted this this masterpiece and 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 it's still you know this is like one of the top a lot of people say this is like their favorite album of all time in hip-hop i think even like uh who is it jonah hill or not jonah hill the seth rogan i think named this is like one of his favorite i know chris rock says liquid swords is like his top five album of all time so that's just one of them just because Fucking, I'm a huge fan of the Jizza and of course Wu Tang. I mean, me and Jizza have the same birthday, which is wow. fucking crazy. So when I used to write rhymes, I used to write my rhymes like all um, like trying to tell a story, and I used to be all descriptive and like if I could close my eyes, I could paint a picture. Like he, and then I didn't realize like we had the same birthday. So I, don't, I mean, I don't really believe too much in horoscopes, but it's kind of crazy how people have like the same kind of like personalities or vibes just based on like astrological shit. But whatever. <laughs> Somebody asked me today what was one of the best shows in your memory, Marlon, that you did. I was like, it's opening for Jizza. Dude, I wish I was there. I got a chance to open for Jizza at the observatory back in 2013, 2014. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is such a classic album. And for all those who are Wu-Tang fans, when you guys watch the series, this is when they're in their bag. Like, like Wu-Tang was on fire when Dude. this album came out. and. 95 they couldn't touch nothing wrong everything they touched was turning into Midas. gold like <laughs> this is when they were capitalizing off that momentum this yep. is such a classic right yeah, they had like what three albums that year and they had the wu-tang or not the, the method man single with uh, mary J that year too mm -hmm. i mean shit if you, i mean just, just even thinking about that 1995 you had 
liquid swords. You had only built for Cuban links. You had old dirty bastard return of the 36 chambers. Like those three albums, all their first albums that came out. And then meth and Mary had the remix to all I, all, uh, uh, you're all I need, all I need. Yes, they're so, fire. They figured out, Wu-Tang figured out how to play the radio. All right, well, what else you got? Oh, okay. shit. This one's a, uh, uh, it's called uh, Beat Factory's Rap Essentials. I got this, like, when I was in high school. So this still has says Booba Records on it. That was, um, it was a uh, record store in San Luis Obispo. But the crazy thing with this record is these cats are all, most of them are all from Canada. Wow. So I kind of got a little opening to um, these Canada rappers like wow. Danny O, Concrete Mob, um, uh, Rascals. Down to Earth, and that's uh, Mathematics was from that group. Not DJ, not Mathematics with Wu Tang, but this guy Mathematics. He's fucking dope. This is 1996, and then um, there was a couple other cats on there. Yep. So that, and then it had so many like cats that I got to know over the years. um, That 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 was on this, um, and and again, and it got me into this underground scene from Canada. So, and that was something where then over the years, I was like, oh, dude, I got to find and look up these artists and everything. Like, cats, like, uh, who else was was on that? Um, shit. Socrates, I think. He was part of, like, those those Canadian rappers. Uh, there was one group, Cardinal Official, was on yeah. here. Cardinal Official was one of the ones that blew up out of that, out of, out of all those Canadian rappers. Um, uh, and then another one here... This is Company Flow's wow. Fun Crusher. Not Fun Crusher Plus. It's a green vinyl? This is the green vinyl. This is crazy. That was the green vinyl. So this so one. Sick. So this one had. Um, this is basically the album before it went to Rockus. So that's. It had a lot of joints on there from like Eight Steps to Perfection. Company like the original, original version. It had like. Uh, what else was on here that I like? Shoot. Uh, definitive or. Vital nerve, silence, yeah, bad touch example, eight steps, but like, dude, this shit, like that alien, like art on there, freaking yeah. super dope. That was like that whole style. And then they, then they put put the full album out on Rockus, the Fun Crusher Plus album. So this is the first one, the Fun Crusher. And then again, leading into it, Company Flow. This is um, Def Jux's first kind of, kind of like their first album off his label so this one had um the last company flow songs then it has um cannibal ox's first music so they had iron galaxy and then they had um straight off the dic yeah so that was the first like these are the first cannibal ox songs and then they had uh, dpa and then they also had uh simian d which has ill bill so ill bill was on this so he was fucking with ill bill back then too this is 2000 i think this is like the first Def Jux records from the label. And then, of course, Def Jux, they signed, like, Aesop Rock. They had uh, Merce. They had, of course, Cannibal Ox. They had Sea uh, Ray's Walls. They had just so many different um, underground artists at the time, especially in New York. Uh, Hangar 18 was with them. Rob Sonic. 2000. Dude, that's... This album is 20... Almost 23 years old. 23, 23 yep. years old. Cool, man. And then the next one is, uh, I got into uh, that scene, the Rhyme Sayers scene, the, the, ah. the Ohio, or, or the Minnesota, I should say. I think Ohio was where they did uh, like um, Scribble Jam or something. Yeah. But um, that Ohio, that uh, Minnesota shit, like, 
idea and abilities, atmosphere, you know. So this is the original, this is the Overcast album. And the one I love about this album, it contains the, the last song that wasn't on the actual um, Overcast. It was God's Bathroom Floor. Yes, yes. And yes. that song, that the oh, man, that sample on it, and maybe that's why he couldn't have it on there. I don't know if you ever cleared it or not, but that right there was, man, that was one of my, my tracks. Um, was this like, I think this might be 97 when this came out. But I was huge Atmosphere fan. That was when Atmosphere had... Um, it had uh, Beyond and Stress, I think. So it wasn't just it wasn't just Slug and Ant. There was like five members of um, Atmosphere at the time when they first came out, or maybe four. I think it was Stress and Beyond plus Slug and Ant. But yeah, I was I was big on um, Atmosphere. I, I liked all that kind of like I don't know if you remember this this label called Anacon. Mm. It was like an ant, and it was basically like Soul. Um, yeah. He he. It was him. Dose One, a lot of these guys from, from um, I think they're from the upper Midwest, like the Seattle scene or San Francisco. But yeah, they always connected with like those cats too. And there was like this album called Deep Puddle Dynamics, was like something I that I remember from back in the day. But yeah, those, so that's just a little taste of what I could just find in two minutes when you told me to come down. You know what I mean? But I mean, there's so many other records I could think of, or just other, um, you know things that are not even see like what I, th I think more of like a um you know there's 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 records that are that that took me a while to find so they're more valuable but then there's some like those couple i mentioned here that i i've had for years and they're not even like worth anything but they're worth like the memories and everything the sentimental value like just remember oh yeah i went to that record store and then it opened me up to this whole new world of this different side of hip-hop yes um and that's another thing too just to, to bridge off that last little statement is uh i um i got into a lot of uh hip-hop from germany a lot of hip-hop from um um uh japan a lot of hip-hop from like europe uk like even today I, I i buy a lot of records from this label called chop herring and the reason why I go with them is because they bring back all these like demos and all these um, these 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 artists from like either early early 90s late 80s and they just bring it back to the masses like kind of like but either he he goes away where he has to like either buy the original demos or he somehow acquires it because then he presses it up on vinyl sells it for like limited you know time or limited quantities but you know stuff like that it's just like even today there's so many labels coming out that um i buy music from because they're either um bringing out old records and a lot of them too is like fuck, i hate it's like in germany so i have to freaking like order always overseas and I, I remember at one point i was watching the uh the the um what was it yeah, the euro just to make sure like damn man it's not a good time to uh to order the euro is much higher than the dollar <laughs> and then when it flips on me i was like oh shit i better buy a bunch of records save some money on some shipping um but yeah i just you know there's it's just hip-hop's everywhere and like again going back to people saying it's dead it's not it's it's like vibrant it's alive and like vinyl has been like outselling like every medium right now like not even like cds i mean there's pretty much i mean cds has been out of for a while but just just with music wise it's like there's been a huge spike in production on vinyl records just because you know it's like people are finally getting to have you know realizing oh shit we could get the real music on here because I remember for a time there were digital um, 
places that you couldn't even get. You could go to iTunes, but you can't find certain albums because there were certain rights. You know, they there's couldn't. a lot you can't find. Yeah. Apple music. So, so that's the thing, and that's what. Um, it's it's that's why I'm so glad. Like, well, I could spin it on here. I could show you know, I could show it to you here, and that's why even people are going back to get the CDs too. Because if they can't want to get the vinyl, there's they'll go back and buy the CD because it's on there, or you know, get the digital digital version because the streaming's, you know, you can't find it on streaming or you can't find it, you know, on iTunes. You can't even buy it for ninety nine cents, you know. So um, I, I want to give a shout out to all the DJs out there hell yeah. who really pay dues and, hell carry, yeah. and carry the crates, dude. That's if you, if you are, if you have ever carried the crate for your gigs, you pay dues. Dude, and that's 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 crazy. You know, that's especially artists that are actually I should say DJs who. Um, Thanks for like really preserving the culture, yeah, guys. and and you know they're and they're the ones who. Real DJs out yeah, there. Yeah, and they and they didn't um, they didn't let outside forces like 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 if you worked at a you know if you worked at a radio station then you have like your uh, program directors and all these people telling you what to mix and everything. But if you're like going and you could just go to rock a show and just like you know fuck it this is my format this is what I'm gonna play and they still rep the real hip hop you know and they're still bringing in their crates. You know, and, and a lot of a lot, a lot of DJs are still doing that. I mean, it's like during the pandemic, I remember when it was like DJ Jazzy Jeff. It was like DJ Premier. It was like Pete Rock. Like they would they would have these little sessions and then it would just actually just do it on like like um, Instagram live or something. And then DJ Scratch from EPMD started doing that, too. And they would just, you know, still bring it out there, especially when everyone was everything was uncertain. It was like, oh, my, we're all shelter in place. But fuck it. They're at home with their with their DJs playing the music they want to play. And it just inspired me to start collecting again. That's basically when I started my, my like, reignited this passion was during COVID. For sure. And for all those who have been following Grandmaster Flash. Yes. <laughs> Grandmaster Flash, man. Like, without no Serratos, just strictly vinyl. It sounds so clean. Help. Um, let me ask you this. As a new... Uh, as 2023 is about to end, we're gonna we're gonna see 2024 pretty soon. Where do you see hip hop going? Like, what's the next 50 years looking like for for our culture? We've seen the first 50 years, and it was pretty fucking dope. It was dope, yeah. I would say this last 20 years has been ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, this last decade was kind of crazy, but oh, I, I mean, nothing will ever beat the 90s and the no. early 2000s. But what does what does hip hop look like to you for the next fifty years? I What's think um, I think mm-hmm. what what it, what it is now. Um, what I've what I've noticed, and I think it's because of like social media and because you could actually like the internet, you could actually find music outside of what is like for me. Back in the nineties, I, I had to I had to manage other ways. In my environment, I, I was I was kind of force fed what was on either on TV or on the radio in my area. So I had to like find other ways, either if it was through my cousin, through like the Source magazine, any publication from New York or the Bay Area, or trying to find a college radio that would do that. Today, nowadays, it's I feel like it's a lot easier when you're shown the path. Like there are so many different sites 
uh, like Bandcamp is huge. I love Bandcamp because it has uh, all this music from um, all over the world that people are uploading. You could search by different genres and everything. A lot of times people are putting their music out for free, but as an artist, you're getting the money versus having your music like on iTunes. I know you got a Bandcamp. Yeah. I saw that. And it's like, it's like, um, it's, you could like dive in and it's like a rabbit hole you you may you may escape one day but i'm still in their trap <laughs> but like i'm finding music all over so that's the beauty of how technology and how um things are coming the one thing that scares me is the ai like i was saying earlier like the ai with uh lyrics and like people like oh you know ch chat gtp or whatever it is like uh write me a rhyme and if someone could just go to that and have it write a rhyme and if you use that and get profitable, it's like, dude, it's like this, it's taking the culture away because you're asking a computer to do that. Or you're asking a computer to play your next track by, um, by its uh, algorithms, you know what I mean? And like what's popular. And that's all dictating what that is. But I think with some, you know, aspects of like what I'm doing on social media where you could be like, okay, I'm going to type in 90s hip hop or I'm going to type in or like look for hashtag. I don't know if people still do like hashtag blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, you could find a lot of music. I found so many damn collectors out there too that have the same vibes. And it's like, it's kind of like when something comes out, it's like, I'm kind of like excited to go on social media because before I was like, oh, whatever. It's just, it's just, you know, you catch up with your friends. But like, say for example, like an anniversary album comes out, you see so many people posting on there. They're showing their record. This guy's like, I got the OG version of, you know, uh, paid in full or something. So they'll show all this information on there, and it's, 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 it's kind of cool. Like the love and the unity that uh, hip hop is still doing and bringing people from, like, if I'm looking at this cat's collection in Brazil or this one's in, you know. Uh, ukraine or something and it's and it's cool and again you can like i get like i found so much music just by um just keeping in touch with people on there or just diving into other sources finding other websites that show well this these are this is what the dope music is out today so there's a um so that's one thing i think is um even though we're still separated all over the world but i think the technology is bringing people closer in a sense i mean it's always been bringing people closer but in if it's done in the right way like that but then and when it comes to like ai and stuff where i feel like i don't trust you know computers not like sarah Connell bullshit <laughs> terminator 2 but like as in like it dictating the trends it dictates what music to play because before it used to be some suit in a boardroom but now it's like okay if it's gonna be um a computer generated uh, ai telling you this is what the new music is or if they could just rip off other people's styles and music and just say oh we're gonna put it over some uh uh with a tupac voice or something where it's like uh manufactured it's like fake it's like so i mean it, 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 i could go on for days about you know different changes and stuff but i'm hopeful for uh, the expansion of um ideas and hip-hop globally and also the fact that everything's cyclical whereas you know you had your different eras of it's the roots the origins the, the dope years then you had like the the area when it's becoming more corporate you know you had the puffy era where it's like everyone's selling out but then that birthed the underground scene you know and then from there it's and then it's like you have all this mumble rap but now it's like 
bringing that that hardcore hip-hop back and everyone's you know you're you're, you're hearing these cats now spit bars that's like oh god that reminiscence of you know a g-rap or like a rakim or a daddy kane or a nas you know and you've seen these 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 cats or these young these young kids you know from like brooklyn to seattle it doesn't even matter they're in the subway station busting these dope rhymes and um it just gives hope to the future or seeing these classes being held in japan where they're practicing turntablism that's the shit I, I'm, I'm like hopeful for is um the youth taking over and seeing past what is hand hands you know spoon fed to them you know by what what's dictated as what real hip-hop is or what is representation of hip-hop no doubt man um as far as um how we listen to music do you think it will always be through our phone? You know what? What do you think is going to happen? How, how are we going to listen to music now? I think, through our phone? Uh? I think it's be the phone because yeah. I mean I I, I can't Crazy. see I can't see another device. Not even another physical. Copy, yeah, because right? yeah, because it. everything is uh, it's it's being um, it, it goes from like having it on like a tape, a CD, like a vinyl. Now it's a file. It's, it's a file. Now it's like over the air and in, in, in the waves and everything, you know, as far as like Wi-Fi or whatever, the Internet. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's always going to be on, on your phone. And um, it's just, I guess, how they how you're able to um, still enjoy music, like through the, the physical medium, like like having um, a turntable and having actual records. I was over at my friend's house yesterday and I just saw they just bought a turntable and it's kind of cool. And then they had like a couple records there. I was like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, it's never too late to start. And it's it's something that one day it's like, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick of listening to whatever's on, you know, whatever station you're listening to. You could just pick up something, play it, listen to those low fidelity of the bass, the richness of the sound. So that's one thing that being over digital over you know you know um, um like with on your phone with a streaming service it's just sometimes it, it's, it doesn't sound the same it's like too too like crisp it's too like ah, i miss that like i want, I want to hear the crackle mm-hmm. you know i want i want to i want i want to hear that low end that's so crazy. like tape and vinyl could give you yeah man i was looking at the crowd last night you know these songs are being performed from the 80s mm-hmm. but what makes music timeless is if it can still pack arenas now i also think like vinyl is timeless like yep. it's i hope it lives forever because it's the real original copy of how music was supposed to be bought and yep. listened to and it's a circle it's a circular Everything's melted yep. it's wax Yep. But now it's a file. We went from wax to you can't bites, even see the bites, it. The kilobytes. You don't even know how to yep. own one. What the fuck you mean? I know. You can't even own a physical copy. Um Is there any other um any other shout outs you wanna give shouts out there to your peoples, you know, anybody from San Luis Obispo? <laughs> I mean, it's like hella. It's like hella people I've 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 met over the years and everything. Um, I know you just um, interviewed Mike Bless. I've never met him before. I just I remember keeping uh, like an eye on the Central Coast to see what's going down with 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 music and artists. Uh, but I remember seeing him pop up, and I was like, oh man, this guy's hella dope. And then um, I started following him, like I think on Facebook and Instagram. But and then I saw you interviewed him, so that's that's pretty cool. And then I think he was at. Um, I know they did a. It was at Rhyme Fest LA. Did 
Did you go to that? Um, I did not go to the Rap Fest. But uh, yeah, I think he was there. That's, that was one show I freaking, I was mad I missed. My yeah. One of my homies went. And um, it was one of those that I, and, and I think he like did a track or he's, he did tracks with like Chino XL and all these other cats. Yes, he did. So yeah. it was like, that was dope. That was super dope. And it's cool seeing, um, you know, the connection with like the 805 and everything. Cause you know, we've had, um, like I said before, like Mad Lib, who else is from the 805? Like, is it, uh, is, is, is it Anderson Pack from the, from the 805? Yep, yep, yes. Sir. Yeah, there's like, there's like hella, and like even back home, San Luis Obispo. I remember just like my my boy uh, John Doe. Um, he he was he's he's in slow. He still is in slow. Um, there's just so many different cats that I could I could shout out. Ko the Legend. I remember he. I went to high school with him, and uh, he was a little bit younger, but he was always repping um, 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 hip hop. And um, you know, there's uh, Public Defenders. There was a group out of uh, slow as well. I was a little bit, I was like probably early 2000s, but there's been a lot more since. It's just, I can't, I can't think of like right off the top, but my cousin's group, my cousin Roger, he, he was Buck Rogers. His group was called the uh, Universal Figures up in uh, San Francisco. They were down like in like late 90s to like early 2000s. And then he did a solo album. He worked with his cat Specs, uh, Dead Force Society, um, just all these, uh, cats from um, um the bay area and, yeah so i got to meet some people too um i remember at one time i was like at a, at a club or a show up there i met this guy uh, kirby dominant he he did stuff with merce and like eclipse 420 or 24 4, 24 7 no 427 i always fucked that up yeah and then um yeah i mean there's like so many cats i met over the years that um that that fucking are just they're repping hip-hop and they're still doing it today i love it man so, yo, Dave, it's been a pleasure interviewing Thanks, man. you. For all my peoples out there, you guys can follow him on Instagram at Wax Curator. And when this episode drops, I'm, I'm definitely going to put it on the, page, on the on the episode description. And Hell yeah. Yeah, it's been a really cool uh, building with you since the Visionary Show. I know, man. We got to um, do it again. Another time. Thank you so much for everybody tuning in out there. MD Podcast, we did it. Shouts to everybody. All right, peace, peace. Peace. Thank you.